talk about something today. I don't know if you caught this, but, and we, I mentioned it to Glenn Packey and we were down on the front row that I so, what I, one of the things I love about our worship team, you know, the team that you saw on the stage was the unity that, that it was there. I don't know if you caught this, but we were four songs in to the set and John Egan hasn't led a song. Did y'all catch that? I mean, I don't know if you were paying attention to that. That was, that's, that's beautiful to me. That four songs in to our opening session of the conference, John Egan hasn't led a song. Now we were singing most of the songs he wrote. I mean, he's a, an amazing songwriter. So some of those songs were songs that he wrote, but they were, he wasn't leading it. He was up here with the team. They were all uh, spaced equally. There was nobody out front, everybody else behind them. It was, it was a team that, that, and that is so intentional uh, to our worship expression at New Life Church. And John Egan uh, has done a fabulous job of bringing a very diverse group of people from all kinds of backgrounds, from different parts of the country, and assembling a team that's built around the unified work of, of God. Now, we can, we can talk about a lot of things today, and we're going to talk about, I, I think, five potential battles that we might have between worship pastor and senior pastor. And I know that this would probably only happens here, right? I mean, y'all are not having any fussing at your church. But, um, but I think these are, these are, if we can talk about some tender topics today, I think it'll be helpful for, uh, to at least open up the discussion. Maybe you're having, maybe you arrived here today on a Tuesday. Uh, maybe it's not a worship pastor. Maybe it's just somebody that you're frustrated with on your team. Maybe you're sitting next to them right now and you're really working hard at not turning and making eye contact at them right now. <laughs> That's the kind of awkward moment I'm trying to create right here. I'm trying to create this sense of great awkwardness so that you actually will have a conversation. So, uh, John, I, first of all, it's a joy to work alongside John. Uh, John's been here since I've been here. He's been here, he was here before I came seven years ago. John's an ORU grad, uh, came right out of Oral Roberts University to our staff. He's from New Jersey. He's a, uh, he's a Giants, Giants fan, Giants fan, so we'll have to overlook that. <laughs> But John, thank you for being sorry. a part of this, and, I, and this morning was amazing. Tell us, how, how does that happen up there? And we'll get into these five things yeah. in just a minute, but how did that happen? I mean, that didn't happen accidentally, obviously, with the unity that we yeah. felt up here. No, I mean, it's about building culture. I think um, unity is a big word for us because Psalm 133, um, unity is the place where the Lord commands his blessing. And uh, unity, you can't do that alone. Can't coach with him. <laughs> don't want to play with them, don't want to do the whole thing. So we have a huge value in unity, which actually means that uh, not one person is all that significant. Um, but we believe as a team, we're more effective. And um, so, I mean, even as Pastor Brady was speaking this morning, when the, the times when Jesus would, might want to just kind of really take advantage of the crowd and, and just be that awesome guy who's going to get a lot more followers, he ended up withdrawing. I mean, I just see in the Gospels, we see over and over again lessons of obscurity, lessons of um, drawing away, just lessons of humbling yourself inside of the Lord and let him, let him do the lifting, right? Let him do the lifting up. So I think for me, taking, I've been, you know, a little over a year in the role I'm in now as worship pastor, and that was just a conviction from the beginning. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, the more you pray, you know, the more you're going to ask me about kind of your own personal growth, I, you know, he kept pointing me to others and the others on the team. And uh, I've found such an energy and um, I've come alive in seeing the team come together in a unique way and giving them more things to own, more things to lead and giving them more uh, permission to have authority has really brought us together in a, 
extremely unique way where I really believe, the, the, to be honest, as humbly as I can say, the Lord is commanding a blessing on the team because I think there is this uh, unity that's happening. And I, we're just really um, grateful for that. Well, John does a good job. All right, so we're going to talk today about five potential friction points, five potential battles, if you want to call it that, that can happen in normal rhythmic uh, leadership. Uh, and, and again, when I was pastoring a small church, I had a volunteer guy and his wife who led worship for us. I was, uh, and so I understand the, the dy- dynamic of someone working for you and someone are working alongside you that as an employee scenario, and all, but also says volunteers. So these, these kind of frictions and tensions can happen in either scenario. And they're frustrating if you don't talk about them. But I think one of the things that I, I believe is that Jesus does his best work in the light. So if you'll know up front, these are potential battles, and this is the area that the enemy wants to frustrate the senior pastor. These are areas that the enemy wants to frustrate young artistic worship leaders. Then if you know up front, these are potential hiccups, then it brings it all out into the light. And so you can talk about it. And so I wrote down five things that I've found over the years to be potential battlegrounds. Uh, So when I talk about this, I believe tension is a good thing. Friction is a good thing. Iron sharpens iron. So I am not talking about a utopian environment where everyone smiles and we hold hands and pray together all the time. I'm talking about really honest conversations and being, having the vulnerability and having the honesty and the respect for one another to be honest with one another. So John and I work really hard on this. This is not something that happens easily. You know, John's a Jersey boy. I am from Louisiana. I mean, we could not be more worlds apart. Uh, and and I grew up a Cowboys fan. He grew up a Giants fan. So that's a big deal. I mean, had, we had a lot of potential places where we could have disagreed. Yeah. He's cool. I'm not. I mean, those kind of things, right? So we can talk about that later. All right. All right. So let's talk about one of the most, one of the big obvious battles. The first battle that I talk about is called the battle of the list. The battle of the list. And this is what I'm talking about is who gets final say on the songs that are sung in the worship gatherings. Right? This is a big potential battle. Um, we, we do not believe that the worship band is a warm-up act for the sermon, first of all. Mm. Come on. <laughs> it's not. Everything, every song we sing, every scripture we read, every sermon that we preach, every time we gather at the Lord's table is all a part of a bigger plan that we believe the Holy Spirit has given us to form and to shape disciples. So song lists are super critical, a big part of the, of the liturgy that we have on Sunday. So some of you may come from traditional churches where that word liturgy is used, but in non-denominational church world, we all have liturgy. We've now called it the order of service, but those songs that we sing are important for the formation of disciples in our congregation. So it's not warm-up acts. It's not something to get everybody out of the lobby and off the coffee bar into the building. Although that's what happens sometimes. It's frustrating for all of us. You know, that, you know, at 15 minutes after the start of the service, people are still coming into the parking lot because we've conditioned people that the band is kind of the warm-up act. That's not what we believe here at all. But who gets final say? Who should pick the songs? Can the senior pastor change it without hurting feelings? Uh, I wrote down some questions. How can worship pastors respond to 
maybe impromptu song requests. Maybe you got the, the, the prophetic senior pastor that's always getting five minutes before, after rehearsal, after sound check, this br- a brilliant idea from Jesus about a new song that he heard on the radio <laughs> coming over to the church. And it happens to be a song that everybody's singing and it's got to be played today and it's five minutes. You know that guy, right? You're sitting next to that guy maybe. All right. What happens when that is, becomes consistent though? And that creates a sense of frustration, not only to John and the team who have spent time rehearsing, sound checking, putting together chord charts, putting together teams, thinking about the songs, being mindful and prayerful about the songs. Who gets to say, how does that conversation happen? Let me tell you what we do. Uh, John brings a song list into a Wednesday meeting. I, that's, that meeting is where I present kind of the skeletal outline of my sermon on Wednesdays. John brings in, and I, I, call, I say skeletal because uh, I believe preaching is like uh, cooking a good stew. It takes time. It should, be, it should be in a crock pot. It should stew. And we think the thing, same thing about song lists. Song list, he brings in a skeletal uh, song list on Wednesdays. Together we marry those two things on Wednesday, and we try to hear the Lord as best we know how on what God is saying to our congregation. How is he forming and shaping our congregation and so we begin talking about our liturgy, our order of service on Wednesday. And there are often times when John will bring in a list of songs or Corey. Corey Asbury leads a lot for us. Matthew Valentine leads a lot for us on Sunday mornings. Gina leads. Uh, we have a lot of different people who lead. Where I'll say, hey, um, tell me about your song list. And the question should be, I think it's a legitimate question, tell me why you're picking those songs. Tell me what you, what's going on with that song list. What, what's happening? Um, and so tell me, how, how do you respond to that? Well, John, think, how does yeah. it make you feel? I think the, if we can't answer the why, I'm not sure we, should, we can lead with any authority. Um, and when I, because it's, it would be silly for Brady to have to come up with my, our song list, that's something that's on us. It's a role that he's put on us. But I have to say that it's important to, you know, to say that the worship pastor is submitted to the senior pastor. So who's the worship pastor of the church, really? It's Brady Boyd. Um, so when he wants to tweak a song or he wants to tweak a moment, that's something that I have to, you know, there's a question here on the battle of the list here, you know, can, can the pastor do that without hurt feelings? I mean, um, we're not here as worship leaders to, you know, promote our careers and, and uh, really kind of exploit this platform. And there's a big difference between that and washing people's feet. And we need to get as low as we can. So for me, it's, I, breathe it and live it and bleed it. What songs should we sing and how should we sing them and why should we sing them? And those are big deals. They're not just songs. Here's how that song goes and that's exactly what to expect. Sometimes it's a, well, yes, I'm going to do this song, but I'm going to do it this way and here's why I'm going to do it this way. But, um, so anyway, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a relationship for sure. But I, I'm stewarded to, to take the list or to take, you know, to approve the list that the guys come in and then Brady is completely has, he has the liberty to mess with that, tweak with that um, the only thing that I do is, you know, he's expecting for us to answer the why of why we want to do certain songs. And I don't demand a why from Brady, um, but I would love a why from Brady of why he would want to make a tweak or want to make a change because we want to keep in, in unity. Uh, about That's the, a great the whole thing. So what about, this is a, how many of you have lead multiple services, like more than one service on the weekend? All of you, if you're in a church that has more than one service per weekend, raise your hand real high. 
Right, let me tell you what happens in, the, in about half of you. We have, we have five, we just went to five weekend services in three locations. So, uh, but here on Sunday morning, we have two, two gatherings in that building right there to our left. All right, so worship teams primarily are there more often than congregation members. At least they should be, right? So worship teams who are singing songs multiple times on a weekend, and they rehearsed that song on Thursday, they did a sound check on Sunday morning, and led the song twice. That's four times they have now done this song, while the average congregation member has been in a service twice a month. They sang it twice in a month. The worship team sang it 16 times if we do it every week. So you see what the, the friction that back and forth with John, I'll, I'm always pushing back saying, man, let's sing our anthems like, like here in your presence, which was written here at New Life, or Strong God, which I can't get enough of that song, Strong God. Great I Am was written here at New Life by Jared Anderson. I love those anthems, but I also know the worship team, they just sang that song 16 times. <laughs> I've only sung it four times. And so there's a tension of getting, getting bored with songs. And so the senior pastors, we don't, I wasn't in sound check. I didn't come to Thursday night rehearsal. And I sometimes, I don't come in until after the worship set in the second service because I'm trying to get my brain back to preach. So I only sang it one time that weekend. They sang it four times. And so there's a friction there. So be honest with that. Say, hey, you know what, Pastor Ray, we have ripped that song to shreds and I am just really ready to move on to 2.0. Then <laughs> at least, but then, but there are recognizing what are the anthems of your congregation at the moment. That's the big thing with me is there are songs that we can sing every single Sunday and the roof comes off this place <laughs> because Overcome was written out of a great deal of pain and hurt here. And when we sing Overcome here at our church, it has a story attached to it. And we can sing it honestly three out of four Sundays and yeah. it would just, the roof would come off and people love it. So recognizing, listen, there may be songs you're bored with. There may be songs that you are tired of playing on the keyboard because you've done them 12, 13 times. There are, there are songs that the congregation lean into every time because the Holy Spirit's speaking to them, all right? So Think battle of You'll have a good indicator on the kind of culture you're building in your, in your worship uh, ministry if you kind of push on some of this because if you're developing a, mu uh, a musical culture only, then you're going to see a lot of pushback on songs that we've been doing for five years or six years or ten years or, well, and we're doing songs now hundreds of years old. Uh, but if you're developing a pastoral worship community that changes the conversation quite a bit. And if we're doing songs that we've been doing 100 years, 10 years, five years, whatever, that changes everything because it's not about our interest on the guitar riffs kind of thing. So that I think is a good, would be a good kind of test, you know, uh, for your worship culture test team. <laughs> I mean, we can sing 10,000 Reasons 10,000 times and everybody loved it, right? Come on, that's a great song, <laughs> it's an example of that. And uh, those are songs that you can just sing all the time. And if, if your goal is to invite people into God's presence, like John said, that's a pastoral mindset rather than a performance mindset, not to introduce your cool song you wrote, but to introduce people into the presence of God, it totally changes the way that list is shaped and formed after that. So we have a blend of new songs. You know, we try not to do more than one new song of Sunday, you know, really new, like we're introducing a new song. People, people worship best when they can close their eyes and know the, the, the words. I mean, that's just the way it is. People... A lot of these songs were new to you this morning. They won't be new to you a year from now, but those are new songs this morning for some of you. You worship best when you got to overcome, which you've probably heard for five or 10 years now. You can, when you can lean into a song, that's when God connects with people. So we have a blend, new songs, familiar songs, uh, what we would call sacred songs, you know, the hymns, the, the classics. So a blend of those three things is so important, especially as you're calling people into worship. All right, second thing, 
Here's another one, and which I'm battling right now because we're already, this is going really fast. The battle of the clock. Like this is, this is uh, as someone who has been addicted to busy, which I admit to it, I am a slave of the clock. This has been something I wrestle with, especially when I know that the three-year-old volunteers in the nursery are, when we go 10 or 15 minutes late and the three-year-olds are screaming at my volunteers back in the children's room, but the worship pastor doesn't seem to bother him, that he's gone long. And, and now I got mad volunteers and angry people in the back that have volunteered their time that Sunday. So all these tensions start stirring up in people when we violate time. Time is important. But who, uh, I wrote down, some, can the worship pastor stick to the time allotted? What happens, now this is a great, what happens when the spirit is moving and the clock is moving with it? Uh, <laughs> and what happens when the worship pastor lingers a while? You know, it, it, there's, this is where a great deal of uh, discernment and flexibility and vulnerability happens between worship pastor. I have worked 20 hours, sometimes, not always, Sometimes 12, to, but it's usually 12 to 20 hours I've spent shaping my sermon. Where I've got it down, I can do that sermon in 33 minutes. I can do it in 23 minutes. I can do it in 43 minutes. I just need to know. But I walked in that day thinking I could do it, that I was supposed to do it in 33 minutes. Five minutes before I step up, I realized I got to do this in 24 minutes. Well, I just spent 12 to 20 hours of my week shaping, crafting, rehearsing, praying, seeking, and now I've got to make a quick adjustment on something that I didn't just throw together Saturday night while I was watching the ball game. This is all my week was spent on this. This is like my Super Bowl is every Sunday when I come up there, right? So this is the tension we're feeling. But at the same time, we're a spirit-filled church. We are spirit-led, spirit-empowered, presence-led church. So the Holy Spirit messes my hair up a lot. <laughs> and uh, that's a good thing. So that's the tension we feel, John. So Speak to that for a yeah. moment as, from your perspective. You're sitting on the stage, and there's something happening in the congregation. There's something happening. It, it's not just, I mean, it's happening out there, not yeah. just here, which is a big deal. If you don't recognize it happening there, it's pro and it's only happening here, then there, there's a big problem. But if it's happening there and happening here, how do you respond yeah. to that tension that you're well, feeling? Well, I, I think one of the things that we need to reconcile is that uh, I think we, for, for far too long, have... Um, kind of labeled the Holy Spirit as a slowpoke, that he, he takes a while to move in the room, and then by the time the worship service is ending, that's when he really starts to move, and we can't get to the sermon because the Holy Spirit's starting to move. The Holy Spirit could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, for as little time as possible. Um, the issue becomes humanity. Um, often humans need more time. You know, often people need a few more minutes to kind of you know, allow the Lord in, because I think he's knocking, you know, I said it this morning, he's knocking on the door from second one, but people are not quite letting him in. So I think that's the tension. I think it, the argument should no longer be when the Holy Spirit moves, everything's got to change. Be, uh, the Holy Spirit's not a gentleman all of a sudden. The Holy Spirit has no order. The Holy Spirit is, um, is slow. And I think I've reconciled that in my own heart. The Lord could, if, Brady, if Pastor Brady says, you got, your, your worship set is 25 minutes, I'm not going, well, the Lord is just not going to be welcome in the room that day. He's really upset about it. He's frustrated about it. And I'm just going to be singing karaoke for 25 minutes. I think, I think the Holy Spirit is leaning in just as much as we would want him to and leaning in as much as we will to say, well, let's make every second of those 25 minutes count, you know, and it doesn't, 
the, the dove doesn't fly out of the room when Pastor Brady comes up and tells his opening, opening, you know, moment for the sermon, you know. I mean, how many bands do we have backstage? It's just frustrated, you know. But what's funny is the band's backstage when they should be in the front row listening to the sermon. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, the argument shouldn't be about, about that, the, you know, the, Holy, the Lord's moving and, and that takes more time. However, sometimes... We need to lean into what the Lord's doing. Like Pastor Brady was saying this morning, we're paying attention to what the Lord's doing. We're taking the temperature of the room constantly, and we're going to call attention to what the Lord is doing. So we're going to take, you know what, we're going to take another minute. We're going to take another two and, and uh, see what the Lord wants to do. I think for us, often, we do have order. We have 20, sometimes we'll, we'll kind of name it, 22 minutes of a main worship set that we're doing on Sunday mornings. I strive to hit it. Uh, now, we don't go to the second, which I, I implore any senior pastor to not do that, where the clock goes to the second. I was at a church in Texas where we had to go to land it on the second. And then it starts flashing red. Yeah, zero, flash, zero, yeah. zero, zero. Which is like, like yeah. hate, 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 hate. We, you know, and I went about 17 seconds over, literally, and then backstage got to have a little conversation from a pastor, and I felt like seven years old. And it's like, now, come on, you saw the clock. And next thing you know, in the next service, I tried to hit the clock, but I wasn't a pastor anymore. I was a producer. I was, I was trying to meet this thing, and it just wore me out. One of the things I love about uh, our culture, Pastor Brady says, if we're going a minute over, you know, you're not going to lose your job. You know, we're not going to cut your 401k. It's, it's if you go uh, two minutes over, I mean, come on, what are you doing? But Anyway, if we go two minutes less, that's okay. So anyway, it's a yep. culture thing. <laughs> when he spends 30 hours on a sermon that week, I know to go two minutes less. <laughs> All right, so this is a little joke, a running joke between John and I. So he, can, he can sing songs that have already been written every Sunday. I've got to write a brand new sermon every Sunday, so it's kind of a tension back and forth. And that's a bad joke. Every senior pastor gets what I'm saying, though, right? Amen. Yeah. All right. But I gotta does, hit it. He doesn't put it to melody. He doesn't put it to chord structure. Come <laughs> that's on. True, that's true. There you go. And that's what I get back every time yeah. I bring that up. So All cool. Right. Here's, what, here's the thing, though, and especially for young worship leaders. John just said something that please pay attention to. John is, you know, in his mid-30s. He's a young guy, but he has an innate ability to take the temperature of the room. That's important. He's not leaning into his emotions as much as he's leaning into what the Spirit's saying. And if you don't have the ability, this is what sometimes senior pastors might be the oldest guy in that in this scenario. It's just typically this is how it happens in our culture. The senior pastor may be a little older, which means he may have a little more uh, experience. And what both of us have to learn at the end of the day is that we have been that we have paid attention. Listen very carefully. This is uh, this is. John and I have one thing to do on Sunday, one thing to do on Sunday, pay attention and call attention to what God's doing with our congregation. That's it. That's what, that's my job description on Sunday. And we do that through song. We do it through the sacraments. We do it through sermons, song, sacraments, sermons is typically what the, the three things that we are song, sacraments, sermons. Uh, and so that's our goal. Pay attention and call attention what God's doing. And that conversation is what we will, on Monday, he and I have coffee every Monday morning. And that's the question, man, what'd you think about yesterday? Did, were we paying attention? Did we call attention to what God was doing? And if we can answer those questions, yep, I saw that, I caught it, I sensed it, I responded to what God was doing. It's good. It's a good Monday, good Monday morning for both of us. And um, I think that's what we have to get down. That's as simple as I can make this tension that you might be feeling right now in your congregation. 
All right, here's the third. We can go pretty quick on a couple of these. Uh, the Battle of the Spotlight. Like I, I remember when I first came here, I was, I'd never been a, a senior pastor. Well, I'd taken about seven years off from being a senior pastor. So I wasn't preaching on a regular basis when I came here. I was associate pastor I was for Gateway Church, Robert Morris. So my preaching has gotten better when you do reps. I mean, it's, when you yeah. preach more often, your preaching gets better. So I came here struggling because I, I realized Sundays come around with an alarming regularity. <laughs> and, um, they, uh, and so I recognized that my preaching was getting better, but we had amazing worship here. And I, so I would, it would hurt my feelings at first when people would say, man, New Life has the best worship ever. <laughs> and your sermon was pretty good too. It was not bad at all. I mean, it was really good. <laughs> I'm serious. People were, and I didn't want it to bother me, but it was bothering me. Like, that was really, and they would go like this. It was really good worship. And <laughs> good sermon. I don't remember exactly what you said. I know you used the Bible. And, um, That's good. <laughs> all right. So, I, and I, and it's probably still true today, by the way. Seven years later, still awesome worship. And a really good sermon. I think it went from good to really good, but not awesome. I don't get that very often. But what happens, you know, when egos get involved like that, you know, so I call this the battle of the spotlight. Are we brothers and sisters together cheering one another on? Because honestly, come on, senior pastors, not every Sunday is a home run. It's not. Sometimes it's a good solid single up the middle, and that's good enough to advance the runners. <laughs> but no, nobody scored. You know, we left men on base. I mean, but we advanced the runner. You know, we didn't strike out necessarily. And let's be honest, worship team, you're not Bono every Sunday either. Just, sometimes you're just, oh, totally. you're, you're tired. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're tired. It wasn't that great. The songs, that Gaither song totally fell flat. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but how do, you, how do you struggle with attention? Now, John never has gotten this. I get this more than John. But how, how do you struggle with that, that kind of ego involved? Yeah. Well, I mean, geez, any, any worship team who thinks they've got it going on, any worship leader who thinks they've got it going on, like Bono, I mean, for one, you're lying to yourself. For two, I, I mean, if you've got it going on compared to your senior pastor, I would say, okay, well, prepare four sermons in a row, and you've got to preach them every seven days. Try that. That would shut it down pretty quickly. Uh, we make jokes back and forth about who's more important because I think we know that there's no answer to that question. We're, both, we're in this thing together. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I have such a huge respect. I preach now and again, and uh, it wears me out. I wanna, I wanna just, after I'm done, I wanna take an eight-month sabbatical. <laughs> um, and uh, so I have such a, a, a mad respect for what Pastor Brady does. He's not, just, not, not even just speaking, but pastoring these people is such a big deal. And he's not just thinking about his sermon, or, you know, and I wanna communicate this well. He's thinking about the faces out in the... Out, out in the church that are like, I met with that couple last weekend and they're struggling and then this guy actually just sent me a scathing email. And so I think, I think uh, for me, uh, if I lead this culture of, of worship, uh, I have such a healthy uh, respect for Pastor Brady and I think that filters down to the team that there's such a healthy respect there. So uh, we, uh, we don't, uh, yeah, we don't even mess with it. It's not even a conversation with us about uh, who or what, to the act, you know, opening act and the <laughs> closing act and who's, who's sexier and who's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, we already know that answer. But <laughs> it's not me, too. Well, they, but the, but we have, well, we, we've decided to, the, we decided to cheer one another on and to really encourage one another. Listen, pastoral ministry is difficult if you're not doing it with friends who encourage you. 
It truly is. That's the truth. And I know how discouraging it is for John to walk off the stage and someone complain about a song list. And John knows how discouraging it is for me to walk off the stage and someone tell me I need to use the King James Bible exclusively. I mean, I understand that. And so we just have decided if we're going to do this together and have fun, we need to speak honestly with one another, but just cheer one another on, put courage into one another and quit competing and start complimenting. So it it will change the environment of the room, by the way. Our congregations are smarter than we know, and they, they pick up if there's tension between us. And there's none. We just don't allow it. John and I do not allow unspoken tensions to build up between us, ever. And we are just, we, just get, we get away, we travel together some, uh, we talk, we meet every week on Monday for coffee, and, and we speak about it. And over time, that relationship allows for that kind of unity. All right, here's the last Can thing. Can I have one quick, 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 quick thing? Yeah, go ahead. It's like five seconds, uh, well, 10 seconds. I'm gonna go over the clock, <laughs> hold on. Uh, the, one of the things that Pastor Brady said from the beginning when he first got here, he said, listen, you don't have to worry about what I'm thinking about you. If I'm thinking something about you that I wanna correct, I will tell you. And that's been put to the test, and it's true. And I think that has developed such a culture of safety for us where you're not biting your nails thinking, ah, he gave me a look or blah, blah, blah. You know how it is, especially musicians. Thank God we're, we're just the most insecure people in the world. So it's like he, 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 didn't, he didn't, when he said that was great this morning, he said that was great this morning. And he, you know, he went down, not up. And if he went down, that means he hated the morning. And I'm, I might get fired tomorrow and he wants me to look different and, and act different. And so anyway, I don't think any of those things. I don't obsess about any of this, those things because I know Pastor Brady's going to tell me. You know, that alone has been a huge thing for our unity, and I've adopted the same thing. If I have something I want to confront, I'm going to, and Brady doesn't have to worry about what I'm feeling. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, say what you mean and mean what you say, and be honest and don't talk in codes with one another. All right, so here's another one. This is a big, big topic. I just did a Q&A series in front of the congregation, and we have a building. If you go over, this building, by the way, has much better sound treatment than our main auditorium because it's in the round and it's concrete, which is like the worst sound treatment ever in the main building. So we have a constant tension with sound and volume and tone. All those things come into play. So I'd like for John to speak on this, the battle of the board. Who determines if the music is too loud or too quiet? But let me pause here just for a second and give you some practical things. We're always monitoring the sound all over the room with the, with the meters, you know, and we keep it at a, we do not violate that. In, um, but there is a theology of sound. There's a, the, there is a, um, there's an issue with sound on what, what you're trying to create at your church. And so I'd like John to, but we just had this long conversation. So we're going to, you know, condense it down to a few minutes. But I think this is worthy of consideration on what you're trying to create in your church culture for worship, volume does matter. Yeah. And so speak to that, John. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think for one thing, young worship leaders have a little bit of a perception to overcome that they have to be aware of. It may not be fair, but they have a little bit of a perception to overcome that all they want to do is turn it up. All they want to do is, is turn it loud. You know, when Brady left on his sabbatical for three months, it was like, oh, is John just going to turn it up? And, you know, I think for, for me, this is a spiritual issue, sound. Um, it's not just about having fun. It's not let, just letting our team kind of do their thing. This is a full-on discipleship spiritual issue. Our room, if you go over there, I encourage you to go over there. Our room is pretty big. And there are times where we could mix a certain way and do the audible levels a certain way. If it's too low, it discourages participation. And if singing, kind of singing, we want to sing together. That's kind of the gateway. That's kind of the doorway to get into, like, off, to offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. If it's too soft, it's too quiet. I mean, I'm a, 
you know, worship leader of the church, and we've done it. Let's, we, we bring it all the way down, and I start singing in f- fifth row with my, my family, and I'm insecure because somebody, like, somebody 20 feet away is going to hear me singing, and I, I feel, um, you know, kind of exposed. So, and then if you turn the volume up too loud or too kind of, you know, just kind of fills the room away too much, you don't even hear yourself singing. So there's this incredible balance. And we, uh, myself and the team, we have an amazing group of, of tech guys, Evan and Kevin and the team. Um, we have just, I mean, we're just beating our head against the wall sometimes, but to find the right balance to disciple our church in worship. And sound can do that. You know, we all feel like worship leaders, they're either anointed or not. Sound people are anointed. Uh, you know, sound people have the hand of God on them. You know, tech guys have the hand of God on them. That's what we believe. That's the culture that we build with our, our team. So for us, we have found kind of a balance of volume that really encourages singing and participation, engagement, bodily engagement, which is scriptural, um, but discourages a type of rock star liturgy, a type of uh, rock star culture. Now, there are two types. We've been talking about this a lot. There's two types of kind of worship, uh, you know, vibe or volume. It's basically the immersion, you know, which I've been most of my life, the immersion. The sound immerses you. It surrounds the room. It's kind of brings you into this place where you're not just singing to God or not just singing about God, but you're singing with God. The sound is around us and we are together and there's this kind of thing that lifts us all up. There's, I've, I love that. I love that immersion. But then there's also this accompaniment uh, style. There's accompaniment and we, we illustrated it this morning. We had mostly an immersion type of environment. And then when we sang Overcome, we, no drums, no bass, we stripped it all back to accompany the choir, to accompany the chorus of singers singing. And did you hear each other singing so loud on that song? It was such a beautiful moment. And then we brought it back into in a more of an immersion uh, setting. And then after Pastor Brady's sermon, we came back up and sang Here in Your Presence with, again, more of that accompaniment uh, mentality. So it changes the levels. It changes the mix. Our sound guys are not just, oh, they're stripping everything back and playing quieter. They too, we coach them to be sensitive. This is an accompany moment. We really want the church to sing out and sing loud. And that's when you got to do a song that everybody really knows and not looking at a screen, learning it. Um, but then, then we'll get back to the immersion where the so- sound immerses and it surrounds everybody, makes them feel safe actually, to sing, and that safety is kind of, kind of analogous to, you know, to kind of the, the presence of the Lord, you know. And uh, so we, we have a ratio that we're working with, uh, that we, but we talk about it. We're going to do an 80% kind of immersive and then 10, uh, 20% uh, accompaniment. So it's, a, it's, it's majorly a spiritual issue. It's not just an up or down, you know, and I think we get in trouble where the, you know, the staff leadership is like, sounds too loud, turn it down. That's, that's not the solution. You know, there's mixed things and all that. So it's, but it's important. What I'm saying is you gotta, we gotta do the studying. We gotta do the work. We gotta, we gotta get on the OSHA websites and see what's, what helps people's ears, what doesn't. So just quick technical boring thing. We have a max level in our main services of 95 dB. It ends up averaging out. That's the max level. It ends up averaging out mid 80s to high, uh, mid to high 80s, which is a very comfortable level. 
that's kind of DBs. And then we have philosophy of our mix. And so we, it's something we can go on and on forever. And I've learned so much uh, digging into this and researching this because we want to pastor people well through the sound. We want to lead worship well through the sound. So that was a bit of a whirlwind. I don't know. Did I miss anything? Or, no, that was yeah. great. And uh, John and I both will repost. There's yeah. a great blog on this from a, a young guy that's really done some really thoughtful research. Yeah. And John and I both will repost that on our Twitter account in the yeah. next 24 hours so you can get a sense of the blog. Yeah. He, I thought he did a great job of explaining yeah. the accompaniment culture of sound and the immersion uh, idea of sound and how both play into discipleship in the church. So we'll repost that on our on our Twitter accounts in the next 24, 48 hours. Yeah. So if you follow us, you'll Good get idea. it. You can read it, discuss it with your team. All right, last thing, uh, I call this, so we had the battle of the list, the battle of the clock, the battle of the spotlight, the battle of the board. And the fifth one is the battle of the buds. I just, I, it was the best thing I could come up with. So <laughs> do, do the senior pastor and worship pastor have to be close friends? I mean, what kind of relationship is really necessary for this to work? Um, and so I, I'll, I want to say this, it has to be an honest relationship or it won't work. Yeah. And it has to be a mutually respecting, uh, respectful, honoring relationship or it won't work. So it has to be honest and honoring. If you mean to sum it up in two words, yeah. if it's not honest, <clears throat> you know, you can be honest without being honoring and you can honor someone without being honest to them. Yeah. And I think it has to be both. Yeah. It has to be an honest, honoring, res- uh, mm-hmm. back and forth. I'm not the man of God here where I, everybody does what I say. I don't carry that. I don't want that. There's a mutual respect, a mutual honoring between John and I that allow these kind of conversations to happen. So if you're carrying in, if you're the king and everybody else is your minions, you're never going to get honest feedback. They'll nod with their head and say no with their heart. Yeah. I want John to be mutually honoring, mutually re, uh, honest, so that we can say yes or no with our head and mean it in our heart. Uh, so that requires both of us coming into meetings in a humble posture, not a king, I'm not the Lord, the king, the, the ruler of all the spiritual universe here. But you come into these meetings knowing that I have responsibility as a senior pastor. I want the best in John. So if I'm honest with John and I'm honoring to John, what I'm getting back from John is honoring and honest. And so that's what we are striving for. And it took a long time. Um, I'll, so I'll, I'll speak first to the senior pastors and you can speak to worship teams. It takes a long time to become old friends. So this requires intentionality. I, I'm intentional with John about friendship. First of all, he's easy to be a friend with. That makes it super easy. But if, even if he wasn't, even if he was uh, completely different than me, I would still work hard at it because unity on Sunday morning allows for the work of the Holy Spirit. Competition allows for the flesh to take over. Complimenting allows for the Holy Spirit to take over. I've learned that the hard way. So if I'm going to go into that Sunday morning complimenting and cheering one another on, I'm going to get a lot more of the Holy Spirit's work in the congregation that I would if I were going in competing with him, trying to shine my shadow over him or to immerse him in some kind of uh, unhealthy rhythm. So honest honoring back and forth is the only way that relationships are built and formed, especially between senior pastor and worship pastor, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, um, you know, some people, you might be going, oh, there's no way I'm going to be close, tight, best friends with my senior pastor. I don't think, I don't think you have to be best friends, but I think exactly what Pastor Brady is saying, to fight. I think worship leaders fight for honor and honesty. 
Um, really at all costs. I think it's just so valuable. You don't, I mean, reconcile, we're so different. Just reconcile that fight for honor, fight for honesty. I have, I have sat in uh, staff meetings at other churches and where the worship leader is trying to kind of communicate something that the pastor was saying and he wanted it passed down and he did it with a mocking tone. You know, any of that stuff, just kill that stuff. You know, when, you know, when Pastor Brady brings a word, I have just thinking, you know, I just, I, I mean, I get to my staff and, you know, for me, it's easy. I so respect and love Pastor Brady, but even if I didn't, <laughs> I would, hey guys, Pastor Brady's saying this. It's a word from the Lord. That's what he's saying. That's what he's sensing. We're going to go with it. We're going to run with it, you know, and then if I have a problem with it, I'm going to take it up with him, you know, but um, with my team and the people that were pastoring, the volunteers that were pastoring, I hope that they see John's in love with Pastor Brady. He's just in love with the vision here. He trusts him, um, you know. I just think that the type of culture that that builds, and you might, and that takes time to build that culture. It might, if there might, if there was a culture of, of backbiting or gossip or this type of thing, it, you know, you got to undo that. And those are some tough, uh, you know, monsters to kill. Um, and then you got to rebuild. Um, but I think those are the little things you could do uh, from the worship standpoint to just really support. You know, hey, did you hear oh, last Sunday Pastor Brady said? this. He said this, hey guys, let's, you know, what we could do to undergird that. It's amazing those little tiny things, what they do kind of thing. But behind the scenes, man, I, you said it, to fight for honesty and honor. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah what you fight for in private will demonstrate itself in public on Sunday. And that is so critical that we wrestle for unity because on Sunday you're in public yeah. and what happens in private is going to spill over in public. And if you don't, if you're fighting and aggravated with one another throughout the week, it's not going to go well on Sundays all the time. And I just, it, this is too critical what we're doing. We're, this is, these are the, the spiritual realities of people's souls. And so we need to get over our insecurities, number one, and, and be listening to one another and encouraging to one another. Because what we do on Sunday and on weekends in front of the congregation is so critical for their salvation, for their discipleship. So let's wrestle hard for it through the week so that Sundays are amazing. The Lord can speak to us. And all right, we've gone over time. And I, I, I uh, normally would love some Q&A, but we have, I know you're about to lead a session in here where there'll be some time for more questions. And then we have breakouts throughout the week that any of these questions that have been brought up can be, you can, you don't have to play along with the script. In other words, if there was a question in here, like, man, I want to ask, I want to ask for more details. And any of the breakouts that I'm leading or breakouts that John's leading or any of the teams leading, raise your hand, ask the question. We'd love to have that conversation.